And I was just thinking as well, when, when I say I'm a Christian, when I say I'm someone that follows Jesus, I often use that, that expression, I've given my life to Jesus. How many of you have used that expression? I've given my life to him. I've given my life to Jesus. Have you really? Can you really honestly mean that? I've given my life to Jesus. Or have I only given a part of my life? But we so boldly and confidently say, I've given my life to Jesus. I've given him my all. Can we add that to that sentence? I've given him my all. Or have I only given him the parts that are convenient to me? The parts that, are, that suit me when I feel like it. On my terms and conditions. What does it mean to give your life to Jesus? Just, just think about that for a moment. I've been just preparing this week. And, and you know, the, funny enough, I, I, to be honest, for me to prepare preaching doesn't come naturally. It's something that I really have to use all brain capacity to do. <laughs> it's easy for me to to prep worship and to, to sit behind. But to prepare a preach is really challenging because I really want to pick up on what the Father wants to say. I don't want to just get up here and wax lyrical, some great oratory and like leave you breathless and wonderless and go, man, I want to come back to that church because he's such a great preacher. No, I want you to go, what he said just caused me to see Jesus differently and fall more in love with him. To suddenly see it differently and suddenly go, man, I'm ruined without him. I'm wrecked without him. I'm a lost, unfortunate soul without Jesus Christ. And you know, it's, I know it's only half of us. And it's like I'm preaching to half the crowd. We normally, but man, I will preach till I'm blue in the face, even if it's just to one person. Because... He died for me. He rescued me from hell. I deserve death. I deserve punishment. I deserve eternal separation from him. And yet in his grace and his mercy, he gave me life and life abundantly. And he's given it to each and every one of us. But will you choose that? You choose him. When you say you've given your life to him, you really, really mean it. Or you say, I've only given half my life to him. I don't, with Jesus, there's no half measures. There's no, I'll give you this today and maybe Wednesday. But not Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Definitely not Saturday, because that's die Boca dag. It's going to be cake. But I'll give you my life on Sunday, Jesus. And I'll give you my life on Wednesday, because that's maybe the culture that we've developed. But what about every other day of the week? Do we give our lives every single day to Jesus? And, and so while I was prepping, actually, um, Michael, you, believe it or not, sparked something. <laughs> you won't believe it or not. <laughs> On Wednesday morning, you shared something at prayer time. And just for the, for the guys, we, we get together and pray regularly. All right, come and join us. Six o'clock, come and join us. We devoted to prayer, and it's, been, it's great. It's encouraging, and I know it's stretching sometimes. But there was something you said in our prayer time. I don't know if you remember about it. 
remember a little bit, but it was so interesting because um, I've been just doing some studies in Scripture, and, and when I got home and I then did my reading for the, because uh, I'd woke up a bit late, it had been rough now, and I didn't get time to read the Word before prayers. So I went home and had some time in the Word, and it was exactly the story and the, some of you had shared in that prayer time, and I was like, hmm, God, what are you saying? It was the, thing, the story about the rich young ruler. Remember that? Eh? And so I was just, I was working through that story, and I was just like going, yo, there's something quite lucky here, just to, to I want to get my head around. And, and as I was preparing the week, I actually thought, man, I, I think God, you're saying something here to us, and maybe to me. But I, I do know I think he's saying something to all of us because here, here's an incredible story of someone. And actually, well, let me go. Let me start here. So there's actually there two. I want, to, I want to bring in two rich men into the story. There's the rich young man that the Bible speaks about, and it's in Matthew chapter 19. And there's also a, a version in Mark and in Luke. And um, why don't we just pick up, let's look up, pick up the version in Matthew chapter 19. And let's read that story quickly together. Thanks. Paulie, you want to stick that on for us? And it's the ESV version, and it says, Behold, a man came up to him and saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said to him, You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We carry on. And the young man said to him, all of these I have kept, what do I still lack? And, and Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and Come, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had, a, he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. No. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who can, then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things, all things are possible. And then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and we have followed you. What then will we have? And let's stop there. Then I want to go to the story of the other rich man. And it's in Luke and it is in chapter that's 19. No, go to the other, the other verse. Sorry, chapter 19. You got it there? Yeah, it was that first scripture I gave you. Sorry. There. He's got it. He's got it. Luke 19, verse 1 to 10. This is the story about Zacchaeus. And he entered Jericho. He was passing through. He's talking about Jesus. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So here we see another rich man coming into the story. 
he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was of small stature. He was a court oki. He was a short guy. All right. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I've defrauded anyone or anything. I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So here we've got a story of two rich men. One, Zacchaeus, and we, we know well from kids, we, we sing, sang that song, oh, Zacchaeus come down your tree kind of thing. We, and so he's a rich man. Yet he was a tax collector, but he was rich. That's what I want to pick up. He's a rich man, and yet, and then we have the other young man. He's not mentioned who he is, and he's a, some versions say he's a rich young ruler, but he was a wealthy young man. He was a young man as well. Some versions say he was a young man. So the, highly possible he had inherited maybe some money, but he was of good standing because uh, he was well known. He, was, he probably uh, was quite a prominent person in that little town or wherever he was. And so you've got these two men who were both wealthy. And, and now it's interesting so, to, say, to see that Jesus says a little bit later in the first story, that it's hard for a rich man to enter. But here we see Zacchaeus actually receiving salvation. So, like I'm going, so when I'm thinking about it, I'm going, what are you, what are you saying here, God? What's, what's the vibe? Because you have two rich men. You just said one, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But here we're seeing another rich man coming into salvation. And here we see the first story about the first rich young ruler where, where he comes to Jesus and he's asking, what must I do to receive eternal life? And he and he's like, man, what must I do? Good teacher, what, what must I do? And he's asking, what good deeds must he do? Like, there's something I've got to do, you know, because obviously coming out of the law and coming out of the structure in that time, there was a, a sense of, man, in order having good standing and, and being a good man and keeping the commandments, I will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, and so he goes to Jesus and he says, what must I do? And Jesus gives him this list of things. And he says, well, have you kept the commandments? And he starts off with the, probably the most blatant one, like, do not murder. Like, come on, how many of us have murdered? No, no one. No, that's, that's not me, Lord. I, I've kept that commandment. Okay, do not steal. Uh, well, I've not stolen. No, that's me. I, I've, I've obeyed the laws. I've, I'm, a, I'm a good man. And then he says, then he gets to maybe some that might be a little bit kind of harder. Honor and obey your mother and father. Ooh. Okay, like I can imagine that guy. Like, yeah, I think I've honored my mother and father well. And then Jesus says, have you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Yeah, no, I've, I've done that. But then Jesus asks, so he, so he answers, yes, I've done that. I've loved my neighbor as I must, I've loved myself. But then Jesus says, right, okay, so you've kept the command, but there's one thing you need to do, and that's go and sell everything you have. But isn't, but now I'm like, okay, so if he's asking me to sell everything I have and give to the poor, and he can't do that, is it because maybe he really doesn't love his neighbor? But actually hasn't, so this is, where, this is where I'm thinking. I'm not, now I don't like to go to commentaries. I'm just going to put that out there. I struggle going to read what other people have to say about the Bible. Because it confuses me. Because this one person says this, and one that person says that, and, that, and then I've got to try and draw my own conclusion. Am I anyone like that here? 
I, I really, I struggle with all these commentaries, and there's some great men out there. But for me, I'm, when I study and I go through the Word, I'm saying, Jesus, would you speak to me? Can I hear you, Father? And then, I, then I'll go to, you know, because there's so many voices out there. Like, then I'll go, God, who can I go to that I really trust? And I'll, I'll maybe phone one of the, my eldership, elder friends and discuss it with them a little bit. But I, I really, I'm very cautious to go to all the commentaries out there because there's just too many thoughts. And so I'm really asking Jesus to speak to me. And that's why I think, you know, sometimes I don't come with theology of the doctorate level. I just come with simple me and Jesus relationship. And it's actually, it's pure. It's, it's the purest form because it's just, uh, it's unpolluted with all the different thoughts of the world kind of thing. And I'm like, hey, Jesus, what are you saying? And, then, and so as I, was, as I was just mulling this, as I see this young guy coming to Jesus going, what must I do? Jesus is saying, you know, it's not about what you can do for me, but it's the condition of your heart. And I was like, well, how does that, because then I want to say, okay, so that's what he's saying. How does that apply to us today? Because here we see this young man who, who Jesus says, sell your goods. So I'm not telling you right now to go and give to the poor and start a soup kitchen. It's not what I'm saying. Because <laughs> some people say, oh, you're saying we're not giving to the poor as a church. No, Jesus was looking at the state of his heart, not what he was doing. And then we look at the story of Zacchaeus. He has this other rich man. And man, he just, he can't wait to get rid of his money and make right that he's wrong. Like his heart changes like that. Why? Like, and I want, like I'm looking at that guy and I'm going, I want to be like Zacchaeus where, where my heart is right. Jesus comes and he, he calls me out. I mean, he knew, he knew my number. You know, he dialed in straight away and said, Zacchaeus. And I can imagine he looked at, at, at and it, there was that look in, in the eye and Zacchaeus knew. Uh, he knows. He knows everything. He knows everything. And so Zacchaeus had, a, had an instant like change of heart and a response to Jesus. Whereas the other young ruler, he couldn't. He couldn't do it. It was too hardcore for him. It was too difficult. And I'm like going, are there, where, where, do, we, where, do, we, where do we fall into that? Like, are we, is it so hard for us to follow Jesus? I think we often, you know, we get stuck in, um, in the, the, the doing because it's like the thing we do. It's the culture, you know, like, okay, chats, you know, the elders keep on preaching about not forsaking the gathering of the saints. So I go to church on Sunday and I do that. And the elders keep on saying, don't miss community. So I've got to do that. And now we, but are you doing it because I'm telling you to do it? Benny or Bob or your community leader keeps, hey, where were you? We missed you. We love you so much. And hey, man, like, are you okay? Like we, 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 we pastoral, like our hearts are just to see every one of you guys started in. And, and so we, we, we respond out of that. Or do we respond, man, I want to be with the saints because I love them. I want to be with the body because that's, that's the best place to be. And not just because it's a thing I do because, you know, I've given my life to Jesus. Because actually, if, if that's your attitude, you haven't really given your life to Jesus. You've given your life to coming to church on Sunday and on Wednesday. That's what I've, you know, I've, I've given it to just, no, I'm, I'm there. Jesus is asking us to give of our all. And, and what he was requiring of that, the first rich young ruler, was, was too hard. The stakes were too high. The stakes were too high. It cost him too much. I remember many years ago, a little confession. <laughs> many years ago, I went to a casino. Oh, skanda. 
we were at Sun, we were blessed with a holiday with friends of ours to Sun City, and we stayed in the timeshare, and oh, it was a lovely holiday there. And the guy that took us, the family that took us, he he said, "I oh, come, it's 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 going double a picky." It's like, no man, we can't do that. We're Christians. He says, no man, just let's have a little bit of fun. Kind of thing. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's your money. <laughs> it's not my money. No. So I took I took ten bucks. I thought, oh, man, I've, I've got a little bit of ten bucks, and I and I I don't. I mean, I'm like, I don't dig that kind of thing. I think it's like anyway. But so don't do as I do here. But it was a moment, right? But I wanted to use the, illustrate the point. So we went, and, and I had this ten bucks, and. Uh, Got like you've got all these lights and bells and whistles and it's like a bit like overwhelming kind of thing and I'm like, okay, let's get, there's a machine there. I put ten rand in the machine and pull the handle and twenty bucks comes out. No ways! Score doubled my money. Woohoo! Great. Put it in my pocket. Oh, right. Okay, let's do it again. Now that now the bug's bitten, you know. It's like <laughs> let's put in twenty bucks this time. Pull the handle, rolls to score forty bucks. Yo, yo, no, I'm getting feeling, feeling a little bit arrogant here. A little, ah, okay, come on, let's forty bucks. Pull it again, eighty bucks. Oh my goodness, I've got eighty bucks. I started with ten. Now I've got eighty bucks, and my mate says, "Come, we're gonna go again." And suddenly I look at the eighty bucks in my hand, and I go, "Hang on, I've got eighty bucks here." That could buy Nix and I a burger and chips at McDonald's back then. <laughs> now you'd be lucky if it buys you one burger. Eh? Yeah, burger and chips. I was like, 80 bucks. Now suddenly I'm like, hmm, stakes are high. Yo, I don't know. Maybe not. And so I was just thinking about that when I was prepping as well, I thought, man, it's so often like that when the stakes aren't high, but as soon as it gets, as soon as there's a cost involved, as soon as there's a requirement of us, suddenly we holding on a little bit tighter. And in that story of the rich young ruler, he suddenly, he's, I can imagine he comes to Jesus and he's honoring, I mean, some of the verses, they fell to his knees, so there was honor. He wasn't coming arrogantly. He wasn't coming with a vibe. He was just like, you know what, I want to, I want to do what's right. I want to be, I want to, I want eternal life. Oh, I want to inherit the kingdom of God. What have I got to do? You know? And he said, oh, I've done that. I've done that. And as soon as it gets to the heart, it's suddenly the fist tightens. And he can't do it. The stakes were too high. The stakes were too high. It required too much of him. He couldn't take up his cross and follow Jesus. He couldn't. The cost was too great. And I was just going, I was thinking, how many, for how many of us is the cost too great? We serve Jesus according to our, our own conditions and what's convenient, what suits us. And what, are, what, is, what is it that costs too much? Well, maybe it's, you know, there were rich, there was two rich young men. Zacchaeus, well, I don't know if he was young, maybe he wasn't. But there's Zacchaeus and there's the rich young. They both, what, finances were a form, it was their wealth. It was, but for us today, believe it or not, we are all extremely wealthy. We're probably in the top 1% of the world. If you're sitting here, if you drove here in a car, if you're going home to a house where you're paying rent, if you've got a meal on the table waiting for you when you get home, you're in the top 1%. We are wealthy. 
And what are our possessions? Well, is it, it's not, I don't believe it's just necessarily our finances. Maybe it's our family, our children. Ooh. Maybe it's our parents, our, our brothers, our sisters. Maybe it's our work. What are the things Jesus is saying? Well, maybe you need to give that up for me. Maybe you need to just hold a bit less tightly onto that for me. I think Zacchaeus, man, he, he I want to be like him. I want to, I want to have that kind of, Jesus, you've, you've searched me. You've found me. You know I'm rotten. You know I have sinned. You know I, I, I've just, you know, I've, I have been a bad person, but yet, you receive me, you accept me. It's nothing I've got to do. I think that, that for me was the big difference between Zacchaeus and, and the rich Rangulee. Zacchaeus wasn't coming there with, well, what have I got to do? He just, he just knew that. Like, I couldn't believe there was a moment where Jesus looked at him, Zacchaeus, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Stop, stop doing it. And he just, yes, Lord. I'm, and and there, there was this instantaneous kind of revelation because there, there's no time period. It's like he just gets up and he says, today I'm going to make right to those who have stolen from me. I'm going to give back fourfold. I'm going to, I'm going to repay. You know, it doesn't go on to say that then he became a poor man. It's just the story kind of ends. And the assumption for me is that he still was a wealthy man. And so, yes, he gave and he, was, he, 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 he obeyed. He was obedient. And yet he didn't, be, he didn't lose out, actually. But yet the, the young man, who the cost was too great, I, I think, Something over there where he went away and ignored at his soul because he knew that actually the cost to follow Jesus was way too great. It meant that he'd have to give up so many things. And in his mind, he was like, I've got to give up all these things. I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And I can't. I can't. It was, it was just like preventing him from just meeting Jesus. And yet he was fixated on what he can and can't do. And it just can't do it. And I and I really believe that there's some of us that get into a place where we just go, man, if I give of my all, if I, if I open my home, if I have people in my home for meals, man, maybe I'm not going to be able to put food on the table myself. You know what? God provides. Like, you know, if, if I, if I um, go out of my way to, to do something, you know, for someone, I'm going to be the loser kind of thing. It's like the stakes are too high. And Jesus is not worried about that. He's like, he wants your heart. And he, he really, he wants your heart. And I honestly believe he's not going to leave you hanging. But he wants your heart. He wants your obedience. He's saying, my child, don't, it's not just about, you know, coming to church and being part of the AV team or the worship team. It's not just about, you know, giving my tithe. It's not just about, um, you know, taking someone a meal when they're sick or, 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 or when they've moved house. You know, we, I mean, we're very good at doing that as Josh Jenners. I mean, we, we're incredibly community-based kind of people. Someone moves there, we're all there. <laughs> Many of us can, can witness to that, that at some point or other, you've been inundated and swamped with a bunch of Josh Jenners helping you out or guys in the congregation. Or someone's been sick and there's like this queue of meals. And we actually have to say, thank you so much, but it's okay. We've got enough food, you know. And so we've developed this, this kind of culture of just, just going with the flow and doing it. What is the state of our hearts? What is the state of our hearts? Do we do it out of duty? Do we do it out of a sense of responsibility? Or do we do it because we have given Him our lives? And we want to please Him. We want to honor Him because He's Jesus. 
Like, that's why I believe, like, it's funny how Jesus ends, like, the commandments to that young man of, like, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he says, right, sell everything you've got and give to the poor kind of thing. His, his neighbors were poor. So do you really love your neighbor? And I think in that moment, he suddenly realized that he was falling short. And you know, the incredible thing is that even though many of us do fall short and many of us do slip up, when we, I think the Holy Spirit, he does something in our hearts when we hear these words. And, and, I, and I know because if you, if you really say you love Jesus, if you really say you love Jesus, you will obey his word. If you really say you've given him your life, you will obey him. He will. I mean, why not? Why would you not? Why would you not want to give your life all to him? Is it because actually it's too inconvenient? Actually, it's a little bit of a nuisance? Well, maybe it is. But it's worth it. He died for me. I have relationship with him. And, you know, having been a father is, and, and even being a leader of a church, it's a, I don't take it lightly. I mean, even being a father, I don't take it lightly raising kids. I mean, come on. Most of us are parents here and just raising kids. It's, a, it's quite a thing, especially when they throw you curveballs. <laughs> hey? We love them. We want to lavish them with good things. We want to, we want to see them grow up to become everything that, that, that we maybe couldn't have been. Or, or not. I mean, it's, it's always, it's a dad's desire to see his son maybe walk in his footsteps and take off, take off to the family business or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> can't take off to my family business or my business. <laughs> but I mean, it is a desire of mine to see Noah serving God full time. To see my girls serving Jesus to the fullest that they can and trusting that they would marry men that serve God full time. Seeing your son just, and, and I know that when Jesus looks at us as his children, he says, man, I want you to follow in my footsteps. I want you to love like I love. I want you to live like I live, a life unto death, giving of yourself. And that's why he says, I mean, some of those, and I shared a bit of last week, just that, that one scripture in, also in Matthew, where, 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 where they, the, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, Jesus, your mother, your, your, your brother, they're here, they want to see you. And Jesus looks at them and says, who are my mother and my brother? Who but those that do the will of my father? And that can become a very, that could be very offensive if you don't understand the heart of the father. Because actually what he's saying there is, he's, he's not saying that you, not, you shouldn't love your mom and dad. You shouldn't be loving your brother and sister. But he says, the love that you need to have for me needs to be greater. And I must be honest, I think many times our love for our family is greater than our love for God. I think we have moments of that when there's a, because we're human and we're sinful by nature, but Jesus is asking us to let go, not hold so tightly, just let go. Hold it loosely. Hold your kids loosely. They're his. Hold your parents, your grandparents loosely. I think some of us are so intent on building the family structure. You know, it's like we've got mom and dad around the corner and, and please, I'm not, Please know, because I know some of us, I mean, my parents are around the corner as well, kind of thing. And, 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 and so every Sunday, it's like, it's, or every night of the week, it's a, it's a supper with mom and dad. And, and, and there's no place for the body of Christ that God has added you to. 
you know, your kids are always at, at parties and doing things, and there's no place for the family of God. And, and, and I'm like going, hang on a sec. What is Jesus asking of us? He's asking us to build family, and he's asking us to, to be an example to, to a lost and dying world, of, and, and at great cost sometimes. You know, even in training our kids, sometimes like we need to train our kids what it means to, to, to make sacrifices for the king and the kingdom, to, to give up things so that maybe someone else could have something. It's tough, but yet the rewards are eternal. We're not storing up rewards on this earth. The rewards are, are something that I don't think we can fully ever understand until maybe one day we're, we're, we're standing before him and, he's, and he says, come on in. Come on in, my good and faithful child. Come on in. Come on. And so that, that's, that's really my prayer. And, and I mean, as a, as a pastor, it's like my, my deepest desire is to see every person that feels that they're part of us, to be walking in the fullness of what Jesus has for them. And I know some, sometimes it, it's hard. I know it's been hard for me. But I tell you what, it's so glorious. It's so glorious and it's so, so refreshing when, when you know that actually the father just smiles and he says, you know what, well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. Thank you for giving of your life to me. Thank you for opening your hands and not holding on to the things that I've given you tightly. Thank you for opening your home to people and building relationally with people. Building, I mean, really, we, we, I often wonder... You know, we, we're growing as a congregation, and, and, and it's very easy to, to know the people in our community. And, but how well do we really know the people? How, and I want to challenge some of you. How many of you have had the people in your community in your home for a meal? Some of us just go to community on a Wednesday, but how many of us have actually had them for a meal in our home or gone to their home when they've invited us for a meal? How many of us have actually met someone in another community? And we're not a massive church. We've, you know, and, and how have we knitted hearts? How have we built relationships? And, and how have we expressed the family of God one to another? And, and, I, and I really believe that that's what God's calling us. More than just coming to church and sitting and listening to preach. Really, you can sit at home and download the latest thing of YouTube kind of thing. Why do we gather? Why do we come together? Why, do we, why are we part of this? Why do we, why do, we do this? Because there's... There's something of, of just knitting hearts, of, of growing and extending God's kingdom. It's, 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 it's beautiful. It's what he died for, the church. It's the church that may, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the world. In Ephesians, it says that it's the, through the church. It's through you and me, not through God TV and not through the, the YouTube channel. It's through the church. It's through living, breathing people that are going to offend one another, that are going to rub each other up the wrong way, that are going to, that are going to just do some crazy things at some time. But it's through us. It's through you and me. And I know that. I mean, I've, I've heard the stories. Guys come and they go, man, community has been so amazing. The guys have just loved us. They've welcomed us. And we feel like overwhelmed by the love. Are we going to respond like that? Or are we going to go, nah, I'm holding it at arm's distance. I'm doing my duty to God on a Monday and a Wednesday. Maybe sometimes, not even a Wednesday. But are we living daily for one another? Are we devoting ourselves daily to one another, to building relationally? Are we devoting ourselves daily to prayer? Are we devoting ourselves daily to apostolic teaching? 
gathering together, like breaking bread. Are we doing that on a regular basis? Or is it just, oh, when I go to church and they happen to tell us to do that? I, I, I get so encouraged. I've got a friend in actually another church. And often he'll just say, yes, we broke bread as a family this morning. Like no one told them to. No one told them to. Well, they'll go up the mountain as a family and they'll just, hey, let's just break bread together. Just remember what Jesus did for us. Just give him thanks for who he is. And like, why do we do those things? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? So, Lord, I just pray right now. And I know it's, this might be one of those messages that just goes, like it's like, you, like a bell going, doing, 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 kind of thing. And it's like my, my head's ringing right now, kind of thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe just for you, it's like, hey, yes, I'm so glad I've caught this thing and I'm living like this. And, but let's just stay humble in that moment. Say, Lord, let, I, let me not forget what it is you've called me to. Let us not forget to be faithful. And so, Jesus, my prayer is this, and I, even I'm praying for myself, Lord, I, I do. I come before you humbly, and I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I thank you, Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price for me. And, Lord, when I, so many years ago, when I said I give you my life, I meant what I said. I meant what I said, I give you my life. And I pray just this evening, Father God, that as we go and we ponder that, maybe even maybe that, have I, maybe that would be the question you'd ask yourself and meditate on, have I given my life to Jesus? Or has the cost been too great and I've only given him part of my life? And actually, you know, Jesus, I actually need to give you my all. And you know what? I, the amazing thing about Jesus is he's so gracious and he's so merciful. And he's so patient with us. Throughout scripture, it's constant. He's patient. He's patient. And, and so all we do is we go, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry where I've lived for myself. I'm sorry where I've just actually really couldn't be bothered. And I ask that, Lord, you just forgive me, and I ask that you'd help me by your Spirit to live a life sold out for you. Not because the elders ask us the whole time or anything else, but because, Jesus, I want to please you. I want to give you my whole life. I want to give you my whole life. And I so loved what, what Renee said. It is like the thing of being kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be Kinder-minded, your kinder-minded, not my kinder-minded, your kinder-minded. Help us, Lord Jesus, just to build with one another and to build your kingdom, to establish your kingdom. Would you come, Lord Jesus? Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would just convict where it needs to be convicted and, and just where maybe just what I've said is just, just drop. The pennies just dropped, maybe, and there's going to be adjustments. And I'm excited just to see where we would just start to see adjustments come and just people living sold out for Jesus. Not half-hearted, not half-measured, but just living, and living out the expression of the church as you have asked us to do. Come, Lord Jesus, I pray. Oh, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Father.